0: Welcome to another episode of The Mood Podcast, where I had a conversation online with Alex Stroll. Alex is a celebrated photographer and adventurer, and has made a name for himself by skillfully documenting remote landscapes and global travel experiences. Widely recognized on platforms like Instagram, and having worked with some of the biggest brands around the world, Stroll's work provides a visual journey to some of the world's most far-flung destinations. With a keen eye for detail and a knack for storytelling he seamlessly combines the beauty of nature with the excitement of exploration. In this episode what struck me most was his honesty and sheer passion for his work. This clearly was what drives his every move and his creative vision in storytelling. We share a similar interest in human nature and it was fun to explore some of the stories behind his captivating photographs and the fascinating places he's encountered along the way. So please sit back and enjoy the company of Alex Stroll. Alex Stroll, it's an absolute pleasure and honor to to meet you online at least. I wish I was in, where are you now, France?
1: Yes, southeast of France, Ardèche, in my little hut, hut cottage office that I am Slowly improving. Uh, I'm actually building a second one. Just needed a place to to do my work away from the main house. And it's been great. Cool. What is your work? Uh give us a give us a kind of
0: introduction to the audience as to, I guess, who you are, but more importantly, kind of what you do and why you do it.
1: Yeah, I'm um I'm a photographer. I think I can be defined as one photographer. I make films, um, and I do I do a lot of creative direction as well. So I'm just a very visual person who happens to use their skills for the benefit of uh of large companies. <laughs> That's the high level elevator pitch. And then obviously people will ask, oh, what kind of photography do you make? And then oh, it makes sense, right? If you meet a surgeon, you ask them what kind of surgery they do. So <laughs> I respect the question. Uh so yeah I'd obviously do 100 okay 95 percent of my work outside in the outdoors um and i do tend to gravitate towards people who worked outside and who are kind of i love shooting people who are busy um you know while i photograph them athletes farmers craftsmen makers all that stuff really gets me excited so yeah here's my
0: long-winded answer It's no long-winded at all i think um I think you know if people were to see your, I guess, online profiles and your website and Instagram and uh, and all the rest of it, it's it's fairly, uh, I guess, identifiable as to to what you do. But I kind of I'm more interested in like the why and how you started with photography itself. I presume the, the filmmaking came after photography, but it did. Give us a give us an insights to kind of that that
1: background. Yeah, so you're curious about the the, the the genesis of photography or filmmaking?
0: Yeah, photography. Let's let's start with photography, and and we'll probably move into filmmaking after.
1: Uh yeah, photography really happened. I mean, I've I've have told these stories a lot. <laughs> photography started really by accident, uh, where I was just looking for a way to fill my time as a teenager. You know, going to boarding school in the weeks and coming back in the weekends to this this property in the woods that my parents decided to to base at. And, uh, you know, it was kind of endless when you were 14. You know, I had a motorcycle, a dirt bike, and I'd go on rides through the forest. But it all felt kind of endless. You know, I've always I've always been one looking, to, you know, to look for the reasons to do something. Why am I doing this? So it started, I started taking photos in a quest of, like, why am I riding my motorcycle through these woods? And then I happened to be naturally decent at it. Like I've always been a very observative, you know, observant person. And um, that, you know, one thing led to another, really. I got really lucky with the beginning of of social media. Um, and I've always wanted to, My I always had a deep desire to connect with people. So photography was a way to meet people and look at other people's work, share photos, so I think that's what really matters to me is whether I can can use it to meet people. Uh, you know, maybe I could have been a writer if I was any good at it, for example. But it, it just happens that I'm really visual and and that, I mean, you, you just do it. Everybody does that. You just follow the path of least resistance. Like, well, you know, I'm naturally good at, at this. So why don't I just do that? That's really how, how life goes.
0: What uh, I, I think that's, I've never heard anyone actually say that, but it makes complete sense to follow the path of least resistance because we all want an easy life. And, you know, if we find something that we're good at and we're it well, you know, usually if you're good at it, it, it kind of comes easy to you. But um, it's not life. Then what about filmmaking? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's an easier transition to
1: it's not laziness though, Matt. It's more like you have to raise your strengths, right? And, and life is a is an limited amount of time. It doesn't mean you shouldn't learn new things, but um, you can train those train those new things sort of outside of the, the main work hours, right? But to me, it was like pretty simple. And was like, man, I love freedom. And photography really gives me a lot of freedom to do the life I really want to. So I built everything from the ground up, really. It's just one of those origin stories where you're like broke and don't know what to do. And you kind of start, putting pieces together and you're like this is working it's not working it's a very it's it's a nice it's a nice activity it's a nice job because you get to control a lot of the outcome from beginning to end the same way that somebody builds a piece of furniture from beginning to end you do build a shoot from beginning to end uh, that's one of the aspects of photography and a good transition into video because video you have to learn to do the opposite and just let go and do not control the total outcome because there is, you know, it takes a village to make a film.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and you you talked about freedom there. I think that that kind of goes in with that kind of path of least resistance and absolutely not intimating that that laziness has anything to do with it. But yeah, I mean, that that's who we are as humans. What what is your what does freedom look like to you? Is it is it so much as you are your own boss, but you know, you still have to work with four clients, with clients, have a team. So how how what is what does freedom look like to you? What does your normal day of kind of Alex is his own boss look like?
1: Man. There is no normal day, I will say that. Although I love the fall season because it does bring you some of those normal days where I can sort of plan it out and it happens the way I planned it <laughs> from beginning to end. But those are rare. Um and the truth is. Even as a business owner, you still have somebody as a boss. It could be your customer, your clients. So sadly, unless uh, <laughs> unless you're completely retired, you still have a boss. <laughs> and I like to, I like having multiple bosses though, because if you don't like one, you don't have to work with that one. But when you work at a company, you only have one boss. And if you don't like them, well, it's going to be a bit of a difficult year. <laughs> but if you can... You know, if you can fire the clients that you don't like, you <laughs> quote unquote fire and they can fire you as well. No, it's fair. It's, it's fair game. It's just business. So I do like to have multiple bosses, especially because I approach every work relationship and every relationship in general as like, what can you teach me? What can I learn from these people? Because everybody is, everybody, anybody you meet on the street is going to have something to teach you, right? One thing they do really well, you don't. And maybe they make really good bread. Or maybe they cook a really good risotto, whatever. I'm just really curious, so I do like to learn from clients, and the more clients you have, the more you learn from them, right? And it's just pretty simple. So it's a constant, constant quest for improvement. But yeah, freedom looks like to me what freedom is to me is really doing what I want whenever I want. To sort of answer your your question. It's it's what I've always wanted to do since I've been a, a little kid. It's like can have freedom of movement and of action. And I was lucky enough that my parents gave me that freedom and they really put a lot of trust in me. And I could be I don't know about I was growing up, growing up in Madrid and I don't know, I was probably thirteen. And I was reading really to skateboarding because I spent the summer in LA at my aunt's house. And I would take the take the bus to Madrid for forty-five minutes from the countryside to the city to go skateboarding with friends, and I might come back that night. I might not, right? I might just call my mom and say, hey, I'm staying for the night. That's it, right? There was a lot of trust. There was no, not a lot of rigidity, and I think that really, sadly, set me up for a world, you know, for a life of freedom seeking constantly. Because I was, I really had bad habits in a way.
0: What bad habits did you have? For you know, how did how did that photography pursuit
1: kind of cure those bad habits, if any? Well, not not bad habits in the sense I was doing bad things. Although I did have a stint of graffiti, which wasn't. Which wasn't wasn't my brightest time, but uh, and I do love graffiti. It was just the way that I was doing. It wasn't adding a lot of value to the world, uh, but uh, <laughs> not all bad habits. In terms that I was used to being sort of on my own things, right? Like with not much control from a young age. Probably because my parents saw that they could trust me and I wasn't going to do anything really stupid. So that was the bad habits. It's like then when you get into you start going to school and start going to high school, you're like. Uh, that frustration that builds from being tied to a chair all day listening is really what fuels it has fueled my career to this day it's like you know when I see my cousins like oh yeah they're younger cousins they're going back to school or whatever and I'm like oh it's true it's it was September and this is when people go back to school here and I was like so still relieved I'm like god I'm happy I'm not going back to school (laughs) you know that kind of feeling and that 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 Right there, that feeling of like, man, I'm glad I'm not doing that is what really fuels me every day.
0: And fast forward to to now, as you sat across me, the other side of the world, but online, you know, do you look back at those, I I guess your past, but certainly those formative years um, in the photography space, or at, at least with that dream in mind of doing what you want to do? Would you now consider yourself a success compared to that to that younger 13 14 year old
1: yes I'll tell that younger 13 14 like keep going you got this yeah this is I wouldn't do anything differently really because uh, that's the way things go I do not really look back on the past and kick myself from doing something or not doing it
0: but that's cool what what about you know I try and at least uh, uh impart some kind of uh advice or, or or ask our guests to impart some kind of advice to, to beginners so, you know look at alex straw uh you know you you look, look and you know for people who don't know you've just to look at what you've done who you've worked with how how you've grown to such a i guess high level within the photography arena you know how ha- how do beginners get to that stage these days it you know i know there's no one quick easy answer but just maybe a couple of pieces of advice from someone like yourself uh having learned what you've learned could, would you be able to kind of unpack that that mm-hmm. that journey for yeah. us
1: well first off matt when i hear you say you know the high level of photography arena there's one part of me that's always like but is it really <laughs> right <laughs> i like that's that's i think that's the healthy side of 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 that's needed, right? It's like, well, you know, everybody has imposter syndrome. So this is not like false modesty. It's like really genuinely, I'm like, don't know if I'm really that good. <laughs> like I'm I can do it, I can make it happen, but uh <laughs> but I don't know that it's you know, I I should be here talking with you. But then the other part is like, well, I guess, yeah, people want to hear it. So uh that's probably what I'll tell like that's what I tell beginners is is that every no it doesn't matter who you look up to in photography or whatever, in whatever space you look at, just know that they are also unsure of themselves and they're not sure if they're, what they're doing is right or wrong because they're figuring it out as they go. So just keep that in mind. It's almost when you go, do, you go cycling with people who are way better cyclists than you, way stronger. Well, it kind of helps me to know that, hey, they're all suffering as well, <laughs> you know, on this really long... Sh- uphill, we're all like huffing and puffing and we're all suffering. And that's and that to me brings me relief. So I hope that brings them relief as well. It's like, well just know that these guys are whoever you're looking up to, they're figuring it out. They're also struggling. They don't know if what they're doing is right or wrong. They're just and i moving, right? They're focusing on efforts, not on the results. So that is probably the biggest thing that I've I've learned. Um there's also this interesting I saw this video somewhere that was an interview of, of uh, somebody who built a very large business. I don't know who it was, but uh, this person was in their 60s. Maybe you've seen it. <laughs> but it's like the, when you're 20, the answer was like, well, when you're 20, you think that, you know, you're so worried about what people think of you, right? And then when you're 40, you don't really care anymore. And when you're 60, you realize that no one was looking. <laughs> that to me yeah. is the best. Yeah. Of the best thing to remember is like you know what <laughs> you do think people are looking at what you're doing, but they really aren't, and uh, <laughs> there's not even worth not caring about it because it doesn't even exist. That's all in your head, right? These are all external conditions, not internal. So that's what I would leave leave our beginners with.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I talk about this all the time, just with friends. You know, not even about photography, but. You know, being a forty-year-old myself, actually, I got to—I when I got to thirty, I really stopped caring what people think. But, <laughs> um, I was a bit of an—I I was a bit of an asshole back then, so I wouldn't—I wouldn't want to kind of copy that. that no, will all recovering assholes. You know, I think, <laughs> yeah, I—I I think that you know, you've touched upon. There's a lot of things that I'm going to kind of get sure. into in a minute, but you know, we've we've talked about social media already. I mean, it, it, that is almost the problem with. Today's digital world, right? Photography or not, you know, you you look at the the pictures on Instagram, whether it's a photographer or or an influencer or just a, a normal person posting some cool shit of them on holiday, right? Yeah, it is. They're only posting the best stuff, so you know, you look at that and it's not real, but it's easy for the human brain because we're, we're not wired to, to think any other way look at it and go I want to be like that right or that guy is doing well that girl is doing well or whatever oh yeah and it's no no one cares no 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 one cares like you're the only one that cares about that and so it's easy to look at an Alex Stroll or you know talking to photography now someone like yourself or other people with millions of followers or you know working with big brands and and going on cool trips and doing cool youtube videos it's very easy for people to go, "Oh, I'm either never going to get there or I want to be like that, how do I do it or it's it can be an inspiration or it can also be be a kind of crutch totally right so I think that's a really good lesson for for beginners to know straight away, especially in today's social media dominated world
1: yeah, right? oh yeah you have to remember you're looking at somebody's highlight reel right, <laughs> and uh yeah. that's why you brought up YouTube and I enjoy the rare videos i make on youtube (laughs) i enjoy showing the real deal kind of thing like putting the veneer you know taking the veneer away and showing it like it really is so that's why the videos get longer and longer every time just so i don't know it makes people feel a little better
0: i yeah i agree i mean that you you know gotta remember these like you said everyone's human and whether you're seeing someone's highlight reel or not there's the human behind that who's been through struggles who's got the same fears who's got the same worries who's got the same problems in their life as everyone else, you know, that no one's different. But um, I think that's great thing about photography. And I'm hoping people do it more and more. I like to show behind the scenes just because anyone can do this. It's not like, you know, anyone's special. It's, it's, you know, everyone has a different kind of view on what they're doing. And some may work harder than others and some may get a bit of luck compared to others or whatever. But you know, and showing that behind the scenes, showing that raw process, right, is important because, you know, otherwise there's no connection, I don't think, between the person you're looking up to and yourself. So, Oh, actually, I can do this as well. Or at the end of the day, it could just be entertainment and information that, that we can pass on, right?
1: I will say that sometimes people, people get confused at all. They look at, I don't know, Sebastiao, Salgado, you know, Salgado drop a a new book or whatever. and they'll be thinking man i'm gonna make a sim book just like salgado you know and i sort of apply the same principles that somebody like uh somebody as as you know as known as the salgado will will do and then it's not going to work for them right so you got to be careful to what principles you apply right (laughs) before you go and start making a print sale (laughs) and then excuse me and then nobody buys your prints so there is uh there is some of that but uh I'll say that the biggest problem, really, is uh, the the lack of vision in, in in photography. Right, like what's really important, you know, once you've sort of mastered the little scale part, it's like having a vision. I think that's what really is the defining factor and while we'll make it or not make it taste and vision. Yeah, for sure.
0: There, there's I always. Yeah, I was always split the the photography kind of or the photographer into two types of skill sets. And if you have both, you end up being a pretty good photographer. One is just technical know how that a monkey can learn. And the other one is that artistic vision and creation and, and that, that artistic, I guess, touch, message, story, all of the the kind of intangible parts. Um why why do you think there is Uh, a lack of vision these days in in the
1: photography oh I'm sure that it's not these days it's just that there's more of us now (laughs) and then you see you see everybody's work so there's just more work and you see more of it so that's why it feels like there is more but I'm sure if you're starting photography in the 1950s and had no vision it would have been just as problematic as it is now (laughs) right like but people in the 1950s probably picked up a camera for motives that were different because there was no outlet for it Right. It was more like a hobbyist thing that you do on your own. And you know, the cost was so expensive that you better had a plan, right? Because it's so expensive to shoot photos and get them developed. So now all the entries, the barriers of entry are removed, which is great. People are on a level, you know, a plain, plain, plain field with laptops and a camera. So then obviously what shines now is like, well, access is there, but then there's nothing to show, right? These photos are hollow. There is just, just you no know, real message.
0: So how do you how do you counter that? What how do you what is your process when you're wanting to tell a story, create create? A-
1: you have to get your inspiration. You need to get inspiration. You know, a photographer who doesn't look at other people's work—that's uh, probably a lie they tell you that. <laughs> it's just an inspiration. So if you take your 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 stuff from the same cesspool that everybody does, then it's just garbage in, garbage out, not adding any value. But if you're your inspiration from places that nobody does. And if there are quality on top of that, two criteria. Take it from some somewhere that people don't look at. And then to make sure that's a good source. Right. It's also bad sources that people don't look at. <laughs> right. Two things that you have to consider. And um kind of rinse and repeat. So that could mean finding some obscure blog that nobody knows, some blog spot that hasn't been updated for years, but it has to really be cool inspiration. And then Learning about the masters of photography through their books, the the Avedons and the the I mean, there's so many, um, and also going to museums and and seeking inspiration in movies and all these places that your typical photographer isn't really looking at. And I would say typical photographer. There's no typical photographer, but I would say that the low the low hanging fruit is looking at photos on Instagram and taking your inspiration from there. So if you do that, then it's going to be tough to show a vision, so better start taking your inspo from somewhere else, as far as you can, from the source of of of, of social media.
0: Um, totally agree. And uh, at wise words. I hope everyone can listen to that. It's it's just so easy for people these days to live their life through social media and. how how is your what is your kind of feeling with social media in general i know you you know you have a big following and uh you you know you consistently post on there so i know you still use it um how do you feel about it now back then and and how it's going to affect photography in the future
1: yeah social media i mean i'm really thankful for it it's really built my career it's really propelled everything i you know i could have trend for and made a lot of things happen so it's kind of hard to bad mouth it it seems like our habits are not as not very healthy pretty shit <laughs> so i think that we'll look back we'll look in 20 years and look at what we're doing now and Promethean analogy is the same way that we look at food in the 90s with the advent of microwavable food and fast food and the way we're doing it and control it so i think we'll look at it the same way like man 2020, 2020 something. What were we doing? That's, like a, that's probably going to be like a dark age when we look back. So for me, the, the future is bright. <clears throat> People are realizing it. You know, social media is good, uh, but it definitely is really up to the user, right? And the what's evil is the way that it's built. It's the way to, to make you addicted. I mean, all things that we know, right? It's just built to to be addictive and. And I think it's for adults, it's fine, but for kids and teenagers, it seems to be pretty tragic. I don't know. I don't have a uh, our daughter's too young still to to even have a phone. So I just I'm happy that she's born now because I feel like by the time she'll have a phone in ten years or whatever, she'll things will have gotten much better for her. So uh, right now, I definitely have a. I'm thinking about kids using social media right now, and it's just just saddens me because we didn't have that we didn't have that and i'm really happy we didn't have it honestly it's good to be in touch with your buddies on the phone but it's so much better to just go ride your bike and go see him and go play soccer right so it's um it's complicated it is
0: complicated i I, you know i don't think there's uh uh, you know necessarily it's not it's not a sort of binary kind of discussion is it and you know, it's nice to be, I am grateful for being in that same generation where we can remember what life was like without social media and without smartphones. Right. Um, and it was, it was, I kind of, although I'm very, I love using my phone, obviously it's, it's a necessary part of pretty much everyone's daily life now. Well, necessary is probably a strong word, but it's, it's an essential part to, to, to do business and to kind of, you know, get closer to people. But you know, it's so a part of me wishes, you know, we, we were back where we were. And, um, yeah, like you said, you were talking earlier when you go for a bike ride and you, you get to your friend's house, call your mom saying, mom, I'm going to stay here tonight, or I'm not coming back. It's like, <laughs> that was, people didn't worry as much, right? There wasn't so much kind of paranoia. There wasn't no. so much anxiety. It was just. There's no way,
1: no way you, to keep tabs on me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, what, what, you know, advice with that when, when, When you're speaking to beginners, what do you tell them in terms of social media? It's people obviously get very focused on. I need to grow. I need to grow. You know, and and a and a kind of follow up question from that is, how much business do you kind of really get from a large social media following?
1: You do. (laughs) You do. Okay, I'd say about fifty percent. You do. It's about fifty percent of it is inbound through people who see your work or. So it's 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 a big party, yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's it's possible to do it without it. You just have to hustle and work as hard, harder than anybody else. Whenever I host workshop in person, there's usually up to ten ten people, and sort of the the sergeant major uh, speak at the beginning is like, you know, only one in your group has what it takes, really. One out of ten has what it takes to really become a full full time professional photographer. Some people here. You know, some of you guys have pretty good jobs as engineers at tech companies and all those things. And if if you like your job, you should probably keep it. (laughs) But if you really have the burning passion, you should go for it. But just know that it's not for everybody. You know, being a freelancer is it's tough, right? So I think it's really about outworking everybody else. If you can't outsmart them, at least you can outwork them. Um, that's what I did, at least. (laughs) But not because I felt like I. I had to. It's like there's nothing else I would rather do than move the needle. That was that. That is so still to this day. It really gets me excited is to get to work and and build things right. So if you're that kind of person who you know I don't have time to watch Netflix or anything like that. Uh, so I, I really it's hard for me to sit and watch something because I'm like, man, I could be creating something. So yeah, if you can, uh, if you're that kind of person who always wants to build things, then who can never really get enough of just work because you're ambitious, right? Like, it just just the way my brain's wired. I'm just ambitious. So, I don't know. I I don't have another mode. I don't really do holidays. It's just, I'm always thinking. So, if you're that person, then it's good for you. You should go and and, pursue a freelance career and whatever you'd like. You'll be good at it. But if that's not you, if you just enjoy doing, you know, more relaxed, paced, then probably keep your job. That's really why Share it with these guys. It's really honest. You know, I want them. I want to be real with them. I don't want them to waste time. Yeah, I think that's that's
0: that's pretty valuable. Where 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 does your ambition come from? You know, if it's if ambition is classified as guess a a good word, then you know why why do you think you're so ambitious? Where, Where where does that stem from?
1: I think I started reading about all these business and self-help books when i was really really young (laughs) okay and all those all those books cultivate a a, you know sort of a a desire for improvement so from a young age i've always been interested in improving at something whether it was bmx or skateboarding or whatever i was doing at the time it was the flavor of the of the the year um i was really into improving it so i don't think there was a reason the point was just to improve it (laughs) Yeah. That to me was is good. Because then, you know, you can show show your tricks off and things like that. Like you can so ambition probably I think at the root of it as usual is just it's because it enables me to have freedom, right? Ambitious equals freedom for me. Ambition, because it's a freedom to do to pursue the things I want to pursue, thanks to ambition. So uh, ambition is a is a fuel. Um and that is fueled, well, that fuels this, this life that I want to have. So it's, I think it's all connected. Right.
0: Yeah. But it's also, it sounds like with you, it's almost a, um, self-fulfilling prophecy Like you're always, even when you achieve one thing and get what you want, you're still ambitious to do the next thing and improve and more and more. Is that a fair assumption? It's, you know, when is enough enough or is it just literally the process that you enjoy so much?
1: I love the process. I'm um, really process-oriented. And If I didn't have these goals and these things I want to do, then I don't think I would get out of bed. Maybe it's just a trick <laughs> for me to go do things. Right? It's like, well, all right, we've done this. Let's move on to the next level. What's the next thing we're going to do? Uh, I mean, it, it's a family thing. None of us here, none of the people in my family can really sit still. Even my dad, who's 85 now, still wakes up every day and goes to work on, on the land and cuts trees. and Although he works for four to five hours a day. But his physical work, you know, he's carrying chainsaws, moving <laughs> logs and, and cutting branches. And he does that every single day of the year. There is no Christmas day. There's it's like, what do you mean, Christmas day? Yeah, I'm still going out and working. <laughs> so I think that's just the way we are. It's just <laughs> We just love... Doing those things that we're passionate or interested in, and it just feels like, it just feels like it's the only thing we're here to do, right? It's our mission. Same with my brother; we're always doing stuff.
0: Yeah, if people don't have that innate drive, I mean, for me, it's and you you touched upon it earlier. It's, it's building things. I love the process of like creating something. When I get a finished, you know, let's talk about photography. If I get a finished photo i go okay that's good yeah next what's the next kind of thing right yeah, that, that that end result is not as satisfying yeah. for me as the process and that kind of expectation dopamine hit of you know the the end result the product what what, what do i get out of this and then it's the next the next if people don't have that or may not be able to identify that trait in themselves do you think you know career in, in photography is is i guess uh, possible um, I know you're talking about the the people in your workshops. Uh, it's it's difficult to. I guess you have to be really honest with yourself, right? Like, am I really cut out for this? Do I really anticipate it to be sixteen hour days, seven days a week, um, just to land a job, right? Um, I, I think kind of getting getting newbies into that frame of mind is is quite difficult. But you know, tell us about your experiences with. I guess identifying that in people and and
1: motivating them, right? You know, it's interesting. It makes me think of last winter. I mean, I'm in my mid thirties, and I decided to get better at freestyle skiing. You know, jumps and tricks. So I started working with this coach in in in, in Montana, and uh, you know, whenever I would try to do really great guy danner, and whenever I wouldn't land my my trick or I wouldn't wouldn't do the move correctly you know i'd go back like dad what happened and i did everything you know that we said i was going to do and mm. his answer is usually very stoic and he would just look at me and say alex you just didn't want it bad enough mm. <laughs> and yeah. i think that that to me it sounds simple obviously like yeah easy answer but uh when you think about it it has a lot of it brings a lot of truth in general in life right like maybe you didn't want that bad enough right maybe you didn't just and it's true, you know, whenever I, I wouldn't land those tricks, maybe it's because I, you know, I was maybe afraid of the outcome of falling, going too far, too fast, over, overdoing something. So then you have these things in your head and then you don't want it bad enough because you're concerned about the results. So I'd say that's the biggest thing is, do you really want to do this thing? And if you do, then you're going to find every possible way. And I think the ones who don't is because they don't want it bad enough, right? It's as simple as that. There's no other outcome for me. There's no other thing I'm going to pursue, right? <laughs> if if I'm not making photos or, or just building creative direction, mood boards, text, then what am I going to do, right? This is the only thing I can do. So it's not like this is another plan. There's no plan yet.
0: Yeah, uh, which is both exciting and scary, I guess, at the same time. But you know, you, you must get to a level where yeah. you go, okay, you know, I mean, I'm good enough, or at least I've I've proven to myself enough. That I can do this, um, and therefore, I, you know, I don't need to panic so much that there isn't a Plan B or where the next job is going to come from. Right, trust it, have faith in your own, uh, her own, your own proven track record, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Where, where does your Where does your new inspiration come from i mean you've been doing it for for so many years you've you've done a lot of projects a lot of jobs a lot of personal stuff personal projects you know do you ever get do you never get that kind of writer's block essentially like what well, you know I, I, where am i going to go next
1: what am i going to do next yeah i think we all do that's normal i find that that happens once a year but i find that the most refreshing projects I go on are like tourism projects. Uh, I think tourism offices have gotten really good at um, building these trips for people like me, for photographers, in a sense that it's really, they take a lot of cues from, if you take the example of the video, I just put a new video on YouTube that's uh, about Lamar, the northern region of France, so, yeah. that a few people go to. And, you know, and when these guys reached out a year ago, but this concept of of like we want you to come here you in the worst possible season, in the storm season, in the end of November. Okay, cool. already there's something interesting there, right? And then after that, I just I've done enough tourism projects to know that it's a bit shallow sometimes. Most of the time you just gonna go see nice places and leave. You've never really been there. So it's so like this time I really want to connect with a lot of different people because I think that what makes a destination, although this sounds cheesy, but it's true, what makes a destination is the people there. Yeah. So who do I meet? So I really press them for connections to farmers and just people off the land who lived off the land who'd have a story to tell, a different point of view, athletes who live there, who've decided to live there, although it's hard for their sport, right? If you're a mountain bike athlete, my is a really doesn't have a lot of mountains, right? You need downhills if you're an NTB athlete. So I was really interested in in what made all these people going sort of stick around because the weather is so terrible. Why are you there? So I find that these kind of projects where I can, that's what's most inspiring to me. That's where the inspiration comes from is in in sort of unearthing this, this perspective shift, right? Like what's an unexpected thing I can bring to this project? Well, let's meet the people who, who decide to be there against all odds and when the weather is not cooperating. That is my form of inspiration is bringing the, this simple idea like what if or wouldn't it be cool if? You know, insert, insert question there.
0: Yeah, I love it. I, I I have something in common with that, I guess. I mean, I, I always, as a portrait of try and uncover the lesser known people that, you know, that they, I don't know anything about or I think other people don't know anything about. And that, that whole process and getting to know them in the process is the most enjoyable part and I totally agree with you and people really do make the place they make the culture they shape the environment they shape the narrative of that place and 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 fit in with whatever environmental conditions they have so I I I think that's really important for people to understand who are into travel you know it's not about going to a place and getting um getting a few shots for Instagram it's it's about really meeting the people learning about who they are and why they're there and what generational history they have, what, you know, cultural practices they have and it, what language they speak. Just just all of that, right? It's just fascinating.
1: Yeah, if you can make the time, I mean, it takes time, right, <laughs> to do that. It's not it's not your typical trip. But I will say that what really moves me is is photographing places where not the places where people influence the landscape. But the other way around, you know, I want to go to places where the landscape influences people, and usually that's found when the landscape and the conditions, the weather, are pretty bad. Yeah, that's that's what really interests me. So that's my form of inspiration is thinking about it that way.
0: Give us an insight into um, the projects like the tourism company uh, projects who hire you to go and do whatever. Right, give it, Just give us an insight to what that's like and what kind of things they ask you to do what your process is when you're doing those types of jobs
1: yeah well let's keep digging on the example of i'm also wanting to promote off-season travel because a lot of destinations have this this situation this problem where they're really busy in their high season maybe that's winter maybe that's summer depending on where they are but the shoulder season is just dead so they're all trying to promote shoulder-season travel. But there's a reason shoulder-season travel is shoulder-season travel. It's usually because mm-hmm. the weather is favorable; It's just harder. So they were like, we've got to promote off-season travel. And what's really cool is the storms. Big Atlantic storms kind of wipe the <laughs> landscape. It's like, cool. All right. So that's the concept. Then let's build an idea. So they knew they wanted to make a film about sort of my journey there. Cool. So uh, that's actually how the whole project started. And it's because the film crew... Who was proposing that project you know they knew my work and they brought it to the client sometimes that's the way it works networking um so this guy called captain evil that's their studio uh brought the brought me the idea like hey you want to do this film for la moche uh, they want to do it about off you know bad, bad weather travel off season do you want to be in it i was like yeah sure so once we get through that then we have to come up with the we had the concept and we're going to come up with the itinerary so the client will have some highlights some things they want to show right like the sort of the the base this is this base and travel and mid-range their base is there is there their highlight locations like they're so beautiful like whatever it would be like the big cliffs they have there and the Saint michel like this map the yeah, very famous <laughs> place so once we go to the yeah yeah so once we do these two things then what's next this is where i come into place right like all right we have a few pieces there we have sprinkles one you know one every two days of your highlights and what do we do the remaining eight days so this is where we start talking like well here's the people i want to meet then they will submit a list of all the people sometimes the farmers don't have websites right but they have a few photos this is a person who does this organic farmer this is uh this guy's interesting luke has a a coffee shop out of a two CV and he posts up at the Mont Saint Michel viewpoint and makes coffee for people. So, all these things, I just request for as broad as I can of a list of people to meet. And then from there, we narrow it down to the to the good ones. We might even have talks with those people, like interviews in advance, like a phone call, like this, tell me about what you do. And then if it sounds good, then we'll agree to the, the meeting kind of thing. And then once you have those your talent locations in place, your subjects and your talent locations in place, then the client does an itinerary and they book your hotels and uh, book your flights and then you show up. And then so talk, carry on about kind of when, when you're
0: on location, how, to, how, does, how does that work? What is your, your personal kind of process with
1: that? Well, usually you're jet lagged. <laughs> so you're ready to hit the ground running. <laughs> you show up jet lagged, like, all right, let's go um so you just have to know yourself right i think it's important to sort of know your body if you know if if you know that jet lag is tough on you then tell the client you'll need to fly in two days before right like right, right you control those things uh i'm really happy to start working right away and feel pretty energized anyways um so we'll just we we'll, we'll just carry up and we start going Uh, And this is when reality hits, is because you've planned all these things. We were going to do, for example, for La Moche, we were going to do this little uh, fixed-wing flight over the Mont Saint-Michel at sunset. Cool. That was going to, you know, to shoot very unique views that are hard to get, because you can't fly drones there, thankfully. (laughs) But guess what? It was storm season, so (laughs) Uh, that day it was raining and too windy to take off. All right, so what do we do then? You start moving pieces around, right? Because Like Mike Tyson said, so wisely, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. So you got to get punched in the face for sure. So then you need to have backups. You need to... I mean, it really depends what kind of trip you want to have. For me, I really want to have a trip that I enjoy. Not everybody, not every photographer wants to enjoy their trip. Some of them just want to get it done and leave. And that's good too. I'd rather spend a little more time on the ground, but really enjoy, have a good time with the people that I'm there, have good food, good coffees. So from the get go, we just kind of let the client know that we can't get as much done in a day because we actually want to enjoy ourselves. <laughs> so I think that comes with experience and time and being able to tell that to the client with a straight face. <laughs> like we're going to need another one, you know, another day and a half because we actually would like to think about what we're doing and not just rush through it. Uh, we need a weather day. <clears throat> so then you show up to the locations. Uh, let's say you're meeting the farmer, show up in the morning. And what's important is to create rapport, right? Cause all these people, you might have talked to them. You might have not. They might not even know who the fuck you are. Like, who's this guy showing up on my farm, right? With this film crew. So then you have 30 seconds to create rapport and set up the mood for the day. And that's, I mean, that's. Obviously, that's where it's important to be interested in people. Because <laughs> yeah, the truth, if you're genuine, it kind of has a good ring to it. If you're genuine, people can tell. So uh, I usually explain what I'm here for and uh, what I'm interested in, it, what parts of I'm interested in the farm, and then I ask them to give me a you know, walkthrough of what they do in a day. Like, well, maybe I do the carrots now because carrots are in season. And then I have this cool, interesting tractor that I've built that's electric. You know, And then we're, oh, cool, cool, cool. So some things are... We kind of playing jazz at that point mm-hmm. with the film crew. We're like, all right, cool, cool, cool. he's got this tractor. It's raining now. Maybe do the tractor first in the shed, and then we go out into the fields to do the carrots when the <clears throat> hopefully the rain stops. Then you're just playing jazz at that point. And you're doing documentary work, so there is no tight production like that. Uh, it's really fun. Really
0: fun. There's kind of like a loose, loose structure, loose plan, and then there's there's enough room for improvisation and plan B's and plan C's. It's, it sounds ideal.
1: Yeah, with tourism work. With tourism yep. work, I enjoy that, yeah. Uh, yep. I mean, very different from commercial shoots where everything is bam, bang, 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 and there's, everything is kind of spoken for. But yeah, for tourism, that's the ones that I found the most refreshing. Yep. What's your favorite output of your
0: work? Is it, um, you know, do you, I, I know you've dabbled in books and uh, obviously have a big online presence. What what, what else, you know, do you get into things like NFTs, Um prints Mm, uh you
1: know yeah it sounds old-fashioned but my favorite output is books yeah i I don't do enough of them but that's really what i enjoy just because i enjoy looking at books myself i do like going to see shows in galleries but uh it's not something you can do every day but you can look at a book every day so i'd say that's my favorite output uh yeah, there's been some some NFT action back in uh, back in twenty 2020, twenty 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 one, maybe. It's been a while. Yeah. Um I think one of your questions what about was about NFTs and um I don't really know you know, I don't really keep tabs on that kind of technological advancements. I just okay. know that what I need to know about AI right now. <laughs> yeah. But uh for NFTs, you know, i'm not i'm not sure what the future is i have really really no business talking about it i just enjoy the idea that people can own work and i like the commission structure of it like when because when somebody bought a painting those that was the end of the commission so i like the idea of nfts where the royalties get shared with the new owners uh but still the artist receives a commission i think that's a great way of thinking
0: yeah you mentioned ai you know i don't want to just kind of i don't want to going to sit too long with it but i guess it's it's always a hot topic with with photographers these days do you give it much attention Uh, i know you said you kind of have to at least recognize the the impact of it Uh, how do you feel about it what you know what do you think is going to happen with photography moving forward
1: yeah honestly i give it attention as an investor because Uh, anything that's hot yeah anything that's hot i mean you know when microsoft starts investing in ai and then open ai is the leader and then all the all, other companies are looking for a solution because open ai is getting too expensive kind of thing that's where i'm like oh interesting all right there's a there's a gap to be filled somebody's going to fill it and whoever gets on board with that is going to win so i get it i get on board with it more as an investor than a, not as a photographer um i i learned to do so also this ai moves on photoshop before there was even lightroom like the retouching and moving things so I do still find that I can do a better job at it than AI can. When it comes down to removing stuff or making background. But if you have no idea how to do it, then yeah, of course, AI is great. Um, it makes it easy for everybody for yeah, you know, on that in that sense of sort of the editing sense. Uh, I do like to hit the Lightroom buttons to see what the auto does and the AI generated nose 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 removal nose reduction is is useful. Uh although it's not as good as Topaz. Um so yeah, I think it's, I think it's very useful for, in general, for the industry. Um, I don't worry about AI taking my job or things like that. That's like the, the hot question, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do when people don't buy photos and just use AI? But I, the thing is with AI is that you still need an art director running the AI, <laughs> you know, prompting, right? I mean, now there's professional prompters, but you still need somebody running that prompt because AI has no taste. Doesn't doesn't know taste.
0: Yeah. Um it's I mean it's an impossible question to answer for a start because no one knows what, what's gonna happen. But yeah, I mean I I I hope photography isn't distilled down into just prompting. But I you know, it, well, it may be in some of the the subsections of, of photography, but yeah, you know, I don't see yeah, I don't see it being a catastrophic um
1: I still think you'll have people who want to see a book and hold the book in their hands. And you have other people who just want to use a nice camera in their hands and shoot it because it makes them feel like a photographer and makes them feel good. So I don't see that going away.
0: I mean, film photography is still around. uh, You know, that's analogous to, I guess, what's the threat that AI poses. But um, moving on, uh, I'm going to finish this conversation with uh, kind of a tradition on this show. It's um, our previous guests usually write a question for the next guest, not knowing who they are. So I, I I wanted to ask you that at the end, and then kind of off air, I'll get you to at least either email me or, or you can tell me a question for the next guest. But the, the the question for you is, um, why do you think people follow you and your work?
1: Mm. And so the why questions, these are always hot. Um, why I think i'd like to think and i don't know i can't put words in people's mouths but uh, i do think it's because uh i don't take myself too seriously I'm pretty transparent um and uh i like to make things approachable i've always been about removing barriers you know so whatever whatever i do i try to make it seem approachable for people because the last thing i want to do is people have fomo when i look at my thing it's and I'd rather have them be motivated when I look at my work like yeah cool that's how you do it or that's what it is or that's that's something I could do so that's really my message cool uh well, and that
0: comes across i mean um i haven't followed you for too long maybe 6 months i think yeah. um but i you know i love your your content m- mainly because of that lightheartedness and you can tell you have a sense of humor you don't take it too seriously you really enjoy what you do and i think that's really important for anyone who's starting out is you know just t- try your best not it's really difficult especially when you starting, try your best not to chase the dollar mm. you know try and do it for the right reasons but um you know if you can just enjoy the process and have passion for that process then the rest the rest will come but it, that certainly comes through in in what you put out there so thank you for that um yeah it's definitely inspiration i mean, just want to add that
1: you know, listen, you, you can you can fake it for a year or two, but at some point, the real you is going to come out. So why don't you just start, start off by being you? From the beginning, then you don't have to pretend you're someone else two years down the road. So I'd say, because you get, you, get, you get tired of pretending to be something else, someone else. It so might as well just be you, and then people can like you or not like you. There's so many people on earth that it's fine if some yep. don't like you. Um, and and yeah, obviously, like you said, me... <clears throat> enjoying the process and not chasing the dollar. I mean, you have to, you know that, but it's really your personal work that I guess you hired, not the other way around. So if you can put out personal work every year, at least one bit of it, that's really good. And then you're doing already 80% of it.
0: Thank you so much. Um, if you could do me a favor just at the end, um, yeah, just, just leave it open. But um, yeah, thank you so much for joining um thanks, I'm sorry man. about the, the few technical issues we had but i i i love to live a little conversation and i really hope we can do it again sometime if not in person so um thank you again it's an uh, absolute inspiration talking to you Brilliant thanks, here.
1: thanks yeah. man thanks for taking the time
0: all right take care alex thank you
1: bye-bye